Hello and welcome to the 250, the podcast where we desperately try to sell you a pen. I'm Jonathan and with me as always is my co-host Douglas. How are you, Douglas? I'm doing good. Sell- Jonathan, sell me this pen. <laughs> well, it's a very nice pen. And- <laughs> Take, takes back pen. Box you on the head. Uh, Dickhead! Oh, hey, if this is your first, you better. If this is your first time tuning into the two five zero, we've taken a snapshot of IMDb's top two hundred fifty movies of all time as of January twenty twenty, and we've begun watching them from number two hundred fifty through to number one. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, our thoughts, and our reactions to the movies within. Today's movie, number one hundred and forty four, is The Wolf of Wall Street. The Wolf of Wall Street is based on the autobiography of New York stockbroker Jordan Belfort. After the Black Monday crash of nineteen eighty seven, Jordan sets wheels in motion that lead him to a corruptive greedy lifestyle. The Wolf of Wall Street is directed by Martin Scorsese, known for The Irishman, Raging Bull, Shark Tale, and Shutter Island. Based on a screenplay written by Terence Winter, who helped produce Boardwalk Empire and The Sopranos, and obviously based on the original book by Jordan Belfort. Uh, Douglas has watched this film before. I have not yeah. watched this film before. This is probably my sixth time watching it. Hell, it's a long movie, Douglas. It's a slog. It is a long movie. How do you, how do you manage that? I just, it's so fucking entertaining. It's something about the the cavalcade of shit that is this movie is, it just, it allures me every single time. I, uh, it, it doesn't get old for me. Although there were, there were some things where I was like, uh, I don't know, but, um, <laughs> not, not so much like to do with that, like the actual, like the way that the film is made, like the cinematography is great fucking cast is delectable um it's just that there are some things where i was like oh i guarantee that has rubbed people the wrong way mm. um and that makes me go like so should i be enjoying this film or should i feel should i feel bad about enjoying this film <laughs> yeah we're gonna have a laundry list of trigger warnings before we hit the spoilers including a uh, personal uh bugbear of mine domestic rape douglas in a yes. film <laughs> yes sir <laughs> Uh, I I got like a fun little. Oh, it's annoying. I wanted to do like. Oh, here's a cute little choose your own adventure of like the the three uh, kind of core points that I really wanted to talk about with this. But the third one I probably can't talk about in like great detail before the spoilers. But the first two, I got a good one. This is this is a fun one to open on, Douglas. This is a uh-huh. fresh hot take. I hope you haven't seen my letterboxed. I haven't. This movie is the highest budget stoner film. That I've ever seen, <laughs> right? Like it, there's True. so many. True. There's so. This is partly because there's Jonah Hill in it, right? Yeah, and yeah. that's all he fucking ever does. But there's all these beats that are super stoner movie, like sexy ladies just like showing up naked everywhere. Yeah, P- like bad improv, bad comedy improv, just like weasel into the middle of shit. Uh, l- people doing drugs and like really holding on it as if it's like a hilarious, amazing like plot point. It, it doesn't bring the whole film down, but it it definitely started to wear on me by the end of it. I was like, yeah, I get it. He's- I get the bit, yeah. He is addicted to, yeah. I think I, I, I the guy that- Jonah Hill's character is based on this like Danny guy. I wonder if does he have a does he have a Wikipedia page? Donny Azoff, does he have a um I believe there are a couple of characters in the film that are uh word for word uh counterparts as far as like their name and uh their part in Belford's life and everything go. There's they're like literally picked up from real life and plopped in the film. Um, and then there are other parts of the film that are not close yeah. to real life. Um, well, an example being that the names of both of Belfort's wives are changed for the film. Not entirely sure best. why that is, but no, they, they are well, changed. No, they, they don't need any more publicity, I think. They're probably pretty happy yeah. to see that guy behind. Yeah, uh, see, to- see, see the- is that the term? No, that's- To not see him again? I don't know. To not uh, get any more publicity, whatever. Yeah, yeah. To not be associated with him. Um, no. I think is, yeah, a uh, probably a wise move. Mm. But yeah. I think I think that actually ties into my second Choose Your Own Adventure point, which is that the ethics of this film even, like, existing are sort of questionable. I don't know. I the, the, Like, the, the real Jordan Belfort fucked up a lot of people's lives on a wide scale of, you know, every aspect of his, you know, life. His personal and his professional life has just been about fucking people over. Yeah. And- 
it's it's sort of like who was the who was the lady the oh inventing Anna mm. what, that, yes, that Netflix uh, series yeah 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 we my my ooh, girlfriend is fucking obsessed with that we're in this like current weird trend of I don't think this is that new of a thing but having someone be fucking like a terrible person and really fuck up a lot of shit for a lot of people and then making a movie about them. Yeah, really glorifying and- them and mm. making a, a big spectacle of it. But I think there's there's room for, like, uh, it doesn't- All of Belfort's things that he does within the the uh, the, con- the confines of the film are never really rewarded. And the, the thing that really caught me on this run-through is that there's a very odd sense of sadness to a lot of the stuff mm. that- uh jordan does and there's a real sense of like oh you fucking idiot like this is just so sad like your life is so sad Mm. you are like one of the uh you are in a a great state of wealth and you could buy anything and everything that you could ever want but you are such a depressing sad sack of shit just a depressing uh lashing out at everyone and anyone that he possibly can sack of shit and i Mm. think that that is very interesting as far as like a character study goes and then also just the fact that there's obviously the question needs to be raised of how much happens within the film is actually real and how much of it is not. Uh, allegedly, according to Scorsese, Terence Winter and Jordan Belford himself, um, well, actually, no, Jordan Belford has never actually confirmed what is factual and what isn't because... I, he's a man who you can see the man that Leonardo plays <laughs> in the film. He's a very uh, expressive, um, likes to exacerbate things, make them larger than life, right? So I think he wrote his autobiography and definitely made some parts of his life larger than life in order to make it read better. Yeah. And then... Scorsese goes, that shit sounds too fucking wild to be true, so we gotta we gotta do it. Like we gotta make this happen. Um there are some things that I will go into into spoilers that I can confirm are one hundred and ten percent true. Like there is witness accounts, there's like oh, all geez. this shit, and I'm like, there's no fucking way that's true. And then having done a bit of research, it actually turns out that it is. Um and then yeah, there's other things where I was just like, I couldn't possibly tell you, but I think that that is also, it plays into this weird fantasy and mythology behind the man, which is, in a very saddening sense, alluring, because he, he is this this almost mythical creature, like a la uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's um, Catch Me If You Can, also based on an autobiographical piece, based off a real-life story, based off of someone who commits fraud. Um, it's, yeah, he, Leonardo does these characters very, very well. And it fits in perfectly because he's a sack of shit, so. Uh, I, I do want to wrap back to that, but I think Catch Me If You Can, I think the film does a better job of communicating the desperation of, I forget what the guy's name was, but the desperation of Leo's character and, like, the loneliness and how he's, like, really not making it work with his kind of current lifestyle. Frank Abagnale Jr., yeah, yeah. It's it it felt like yeah, Catch Me If You Can doesn't But it's also gl- glorifying Frank's, him quite as much. Frank's story is about like a fucking nineteen twenty year old. Like yeah, it's also that's the, in other the thing. span yeah. of like three years. The the span of Jordan Belford actually doing his shit was like through the th- in his thirties and in his like mid twenties. Mid twenties to like probably early thirties, I believe, is the um, would have been his age when he was uh, committing crime. <laughs> mm. um, and I think that there's a, a different level of life experience that comes with that. So there's, there's, you feel the toll a bit heavier on someone who doesn't have as much life experience like Frank Abagnale, and he's just kind of lying through his teeth until he gets to a, a point where he literally can't anymore. And then you get, the the egotistic, self-centered, um, I need to present this image because it will make my workers work harder mm. mentality that Jordan Belfort goes under. And I find that vividly interesting. Just as a person, how to fucking operate like that on a day-to-day basis to ingest that many drugs 
to have sex with that many women and do that much shit in a day. In the t- I'm given the exact same 24 hours of time that Jordan Belford is in the day, and somehow he managed to do all that shit within his 24 hours worth of day. It's I think that, yeah, there's a sense of mythology behind it that I find quite entertaining, and um, the way that Scorsese kind of bundles it all together is very fun for me yeah it's um, it's it it just feels way grosser like yes you, yeah but i think that's also the point like i think the point is mm. to to present the grossness and the uh some of the like the atrocities that he does uh commit um there's like i said there are moments where there's like that knock 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 on the door like this is fucked but then scorsese does this wonderful thing of like well, anyway, moving on, like, it, it acknowledges that there is fucked up shit kind of boiling underneath the surface. And I'll, again, I'll go into that in the, in the spoiler section. But there's, it's got to keep this similar to how Belfort has to keep the pace of his life up, or otherwise he's literally going to crash. He, Scorsese keeps, like, the, yeah, the, just the pace alive and keeps shit from leaning too far into that, like, this is all the fucking down shit that happened because Belfort himself wouldn't have allowed himself to lean into that kind of mentality uh, again this mm. isn't me i'm not i again i haven't said it yet i'm not trying to defend belford as a person <laughs> i think he's an absolute dog shit human being um but i just i think it's just so interesting to to analyze as a person yeah. and psych- psychologically his his state of being the um and yeah how scorsese puts it together is just fun I'm just, I'm always very, this film in particular is one of those, uh, like, stereotype film bro films where they're like, he's oh, just totally. like me. And it's like, they're like, oh, this is, this is people All these who completely- fucking 19, 20 year old cis white males mm. completely misunderstanding the point and then hopping on fucking cryptocurrency shit and <laughs> losing fucking half of their mum's credit card on it. Like, I think the point is, like, not. Uh, well, yeah, we will talk about this more in the, after the spoilers. But I think the the you you need to be a little bit more mature. Like I think as discerning adults, quote unquote, even even from the beginning, where he's just like twenty minutes in the film, Unhinged. he's just pound, pounding <laughs> drugs and shit like that. I'm like, that's that's, and he's just turn, he's like a horrible person at work. I'm like, that is from day one. He's a fucking bad person and he just becomes yeah. a worse worse person anyway um but that that's there's this also- is dangerous spoiler territory Douglas. Yeah, it's dangerous yeah. spoiler territory yeah, put a pin on is. it <laughs> mm, mm. i just wanted we'll to get, get my thought out before i forgot it yeah <laughs> uh, uh cinematography uh just, yeah. just briefly covering it without perhaps covering too much of what the cinematography is of uh <laughs> we had the lovely rodrigo prieto i'm going to say um, mm-hmm. We've had him twice now, once for The Irishman and then once for Amores Peros. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Huh. Good to have him uh, back again. Interesting. Amores Peros. What a, what a, what a movie. Yeah. Was, you, uh, I don't remember you liking Amores Peros very much because it was uh, a banner, but- No, I think it was You liked fine. the, the- how, uh, how the many- stories and the, the, the meanings behind all the stories. I yeah, I, I liked it. I think it's- as far as, it's pretty, as far as cinematography goes, like yeah, that that film hmm. kicks dick. It's really good. I still th- I th- I didn't hate it. It was just an intrinsically a little bit of a depressing movie, and I was like, Rrr. but <laughs> that was that was sort of the point. I love IMDb top two fifty dramas. <laughs> yeah, I the thing I got from the cinematography is that there's like loads of variety in in there's always like these different kind of feeling shots and. Nothing felt quite frame the same. Frame rates is- and shit. Frame rates, shutter speeds, like doing like the some mm. of the slow mo stuff that mm. they do is fucking sick. Yeah, there's. Yeah. I think this is maybe maybe more of like a editing type thing, but they will cut in with these like infomercial style shots and what I, what I describe it they as. They fuck around with the yeah. like the stock ratio stuff. of it. Yeah, and then they'll have like photos or they'll do. Little, yeah, little weird things all throughout, and they're always super fun. They, like, oh, there's one right at the end that I think I can talk about without spoiling, where it's a TV, it looks like a TV ad, and then- Oh, yeah, and then it You're, you're like, oh, that's actually part to- of the movie. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah that, that was super cool to, to pull that in. There's, yep. 
There is some weird stuff editing wise. This is I'm I'm gonna get to that. Okay, I've got a thing for it. It's the flow feels fucky, right? Like there's oh there's no no no. Where I just kept picking goofs, Douglas. I kept picking ed- editing goofs. What? Yeah, yeah. And you're like, that's <laughs> fucking. That doesn't make sense. Or like, there's there's something wrong with it. <sighs> it's intentional. Unfortunately, it's intentional. It's intentional. I, and I hate that because it's such a fucking cop out. Whenever artists do that kind of a shit, I think, but. Anyway, yeah, it's intentional. I, I'm talking very nitpicky, by the way. I'm not yeah. talking, like, wide-scale stuff. There's there's one in particular that's stuck in my brain. There's two in particular stuck in my brain. It's one early in where Jordan is, like, getting out of a car, and then there's a, a crossfade into a shot, like, clearly, like, two seconds later. Just, like, weird shit. And then there's, like, a bit when he's in London- and he's just sitting there and, like, just, like, a leaf, like, flies into him and bounces off and, like, no one says anything. It's just, it's just like, they're, they're all throughout. But that's, I mean, the other thing is it is, like, a three-hour movie. So, it's probably yeah. bound to happen. This She's is probably not some, worth it. I Structure-wise, I don't know. Structure-wise, I didn't really- Because I did watch it in parts as well. I think I watched it in- I think I watched it in two parts. I watched because, the whole thing in one sitting. I'm a yeah, no. I, I had a big week, so that did not happen. But- mm. I think that may have inhibited my ability to maybe think about the structure quite as much. Digest. But can you talk about it. that yeah. without spoiling, or do you want to? Um, do you want to? Well, I would like to touch on the the editor herself. Um, Thelma mm. Schoonmaker is the editor for Wolf of Wall Street. Um, we've had her once again for The Irishman and Shutter Island. Uh, previously, Shutter Island's editing is phenomenal, but you know whose editing is allegedly even better? Uh-huh. Goodfellas. She edited Goodfellas, and as well as uh, The Departed and Raging Bull. Raging Bull is very close in the 250 on our list. Um, it's probably like three or four films off. So yeah, I I really like the editing. There's I I agree. There's there's some shit that feels unky and just weird, and mm. uh, it's it's brushed off as being intentional. For a reason, do you have that some? Do you have any some into, examples you can give? Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe maybe we just just you know like what? sound effects feeling clunky and like fading too quickly, uh. and then like the just the, the flow that you would get from a normal AAA film of like or Hollywood film, I should say. It it it's it's hard to describe. Like it just it feels correct. You know what I mean? Like the actual in a scene. The, the movement from one shot to the next, like the 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 sound design of it, the audio, the way that the audio is mixed and layered and the shots themselves and the times that they're cut as well between different shots where most editors would usually stick to like a beat of like that, you know, like that's the beat to cut. They might cut, Thelma chooses to cut a little bit earlier, a little bit later um, in certain spots of the film for a reason. Um, which I let's will, let's, let's, gonna, let's go to spoilers. Let's go to spoilers, gonna, and we I'm keep talking write this about down this. Or otherwise, I'm gonna forget it. Yeah, yeah. Jonathan, would you recommend Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah, yeah. I guess it's I. I legitimately have ethical concerns with the glorification, even even though, yeah, like I said, we can sort of understand how this film is sort of implicitly a critique of Jordan Belfort. It's kind of not right. Because it all works out for him in the end, and and you know he's he's definitely made no shortage of money off of this, which is I I actually I actually do have a legitimate ethical problem with this film. Mm. It is a fun film. I would watch Catch Me If You Can first because I have mm. less. It's a very similar vibe, and I have less of an ethical concern with that one. But and Steve Spielberg, have, we love Spielberg. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna have a problem with that. But yeah, how about you, Douglas? I this seems like it. a silly question. It's yeah. I still think it's great. I agree that there are ethical concerns. This film is definitely not for everyone, and I definitely felt the ick a lot more on this watch mm. than I had in previous watches, which is good—a good thing to feel. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I, it's it's definitely not for everyone, as is most Martin Scorsese films. They're definitely not an everyone kind of film. Um. But if you vibe Scorsese's older work, uh, if you vibe The Irishman, if you vibe Catch Me If You Can, and you're interested in autobiographical kind of pieces, then I think you've probably already watched The Wolf of Wall Street. So I'm, it's fucking, it's irrelevant, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's still a fun movie and it's competently shot and 
very enjoyable and just keep in mind that this guy is a piece of sack of shit and he's a real human being and he can go fuck himself, you know? So yeah. just be an adult about it. Uh, yeah. Keep self-aware. Con- content warnings. We got violence. We got lots of nudity. We got aforementioned rape. It's rape. Uh, there's, I think there's a suicide in it. There's like, I mean, there's no shortage of swearing, although that's less of a true It's not a graphic suicide, but a suicide is mentioned. Yeah. I think, um, I'm even wondering if this is not, I just saw it in a tag and I'm actually wondering if that's in like a different cut or something. Um, What's that? Well, hold on. I'm trying to find it. Just, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. The, the, the rape scene in particular is like pretty gross. It's, it's not the grossest we've dealt with, but it doesn't, doesn't make it less like- Any uh, less yucky. Yeah. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. It's, I, I, you probably know what you're getting into with this film, but just be aware of that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, spoilers. Anything past this point? may and will spoil parts of this film. (laughs) Here is something that- So, I've just grabbed up uh, someone's- I think it's like a blog post. It's called, All the Times I Felt Gross Watching the Wolf of Wall Street. And (sighs) this is really- This is really interesting because I'd sort of forgotten about this. I'd like stuffed in the back of my head. There is- the bit near it's it's I think thirty eight minutes in where they've got like the big like uh, Stafford uh what what is what's his firm called again Stat uh, Stat um his firm Stratton Oakmont Stratton Oakmont when Stratton Oakmont well you know they 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 go from like their little warehouse to like an actual office building it like does like a fade into it and he's like having his big speech like we're doing great everybody this is so awesome we've paid X lady here ten grand to shave her head and you can just see how fucking miserable she is about it and like that in and of itself is like so primarily exploitative and like like horrible to like women and he's like she's gonna buy breast implants with the 10 grand like that's the fucking disgusting like yeah and and it's i'm not i don't i'm not trying to degrade like take away from the (laughs) fact that it is an exploitative terrible thing but it is the point it's it's to accept the the and the reason that i can confirm that it is the point is because if it wasn't the point they would have done that shot and they would have just tossed it away and scorsese would have gone all right fuck off now Mm -hmm. like let's not deal with that ever again but in that big party sequence that's following it, there's it cuts back to her and she's like at the corner of this fucking circus that is the the, the yeah. stockbroker, the, the firm floor. And there's another girl who comes over and hugs her and then hands her the money and everything. And she's like pulling strands of her hair out of her scalp. And I'm like, <sighs> if if Scorsese wasn't aware of what he was doing, he wouldn't have shown that. No, I I, I honestly think that. That is one of the best bits of acting in that movie because- in the movie because you can see all these emotions on her face and- and it's- it's so fucking icky and I feel- I don't know. I- I still feel like the film, unless you're thinking about it, still just feels like it's sort of celebrating this guy. Uh, but if you're looking for it, which I don't think is a good excuse, but if you're looking for it, you're like, wow, that is- like, it's gross so early in. Like, it's basically the first half hour is the prologue and then- and it jumps straight into it and it's like we're starting out by being as gross as possible everything's yeah. fucking terrible but i i love that shot that actress mm. does a fucking incredible job mm. of just just i don't think she says a word she doesn't just yeah. on her face this myriad of emotions going on because she just got handed 10 grand you know mm. it's that's that's nothing to be bloody that, that's a decent amount of cash with. yeah mm. but just she feels exploited by this whole thing like she's just like an object for everyone's fucking amusement it's really yeah so and and it just goes <laughs> from there sorry yeah yeah <laughs> it was just on my no, mind no no it's like Ugh, it's everything that makes you feel ick makes you feel ick because Scorsese wants you to feel ick because he mm. wants you to think that Belford is ick. Like, that's yeah. the- it's the bottom line. And there's so many people <laughs> that I've read reviews of and they're like, this fucking is disgusting. I can't believe that this is a film that exists. I can't believe that we're glorifying it. But- in a, there is an argument, obviously, that we are glorifying Belford and the actions that he did, but there is also- I- I- I want to back Scorsese, the optimist (laughs) within me wants to back Scorsese and say that no, there is enough evidence that all of the ick that he does never truly ends up rewarding him. Even though he does end up in a place where he becomes a motivational speaker 
and he fucking he serves a little bit of time in jail, but he has to pay fucking millions upon millions of dollars in restitution to the people that he fucked over anyway. It still doesn't land him in a place where he is content. It doesn't land him in a place where he is mm. where he would want to be, like where he aspired to be when he was in his mm. 20s and wanting to be a stockbroker. That's mm. not what he wanted to do. We the, the first time we see Jordan Belford as portrayed by Leonardo DiCaprio, He's this fucking wide-eyed, cheery, like, kissing his wife on the bus, like, oh, I'm off to the, the, the stock firm, let's do it, Ross Child, let's go. And then uh, he has that little monologue on a narration of, uh, you know, how they talk and everything, and then we get introduced to the lovely Matthew McConaughey, who is just the utmost perfect foreshadowing for everything <laughs> that Jordan Belfort will become. And will continue to be for the next, like, two and a half hours of the film. It is mm. fucking beautiful to watch the the transformation that, it, albeit it does happen very quickly because the film needs to get to the the big spectacle-y kind of shit that Belford did in his life. It does happen quick, but the the time that we do get to see of a Belfort who's like, well, wait, no, like, we're, we're screwing people over by doing that, aren't we? And then Matthew... A la future George Belfort. No. <laughs> Money goes from their pocket into ours. <laughs> That's the aim of the game. Cocaine hookers and how many times how many times do you jerk off per day? <laughs> Go That's pop, rookie pop numbers. numbers. <laughs> I I think almost a problem with this is and I think this is maybe you might not even be able to comment on this, is I felt like I understood the flow, like the direction the film was going very quickly. And uh, and the specifics are, you know, fun and exciting, but I think the larger story, you see where it's going pretty fucking early on and you can sort of, there's not heaps of surprises there, is, yeah, maybe my other critique with the structure of the film. Would you, uh, do you, uh, do you want to jump back onto that editing thought yeah, that you had before? Yeah, yeah, the, um... The lack of um, flow between scenes, uh, it was a decision by Scorsese and Schoonmaker in order to try and artistically symbolise the, the the effect that the drugs are having on oh. and how everything is just kind of like uh, a bit jolting and a little bit jarring and sometimes- Moments of sobriety between- The moments of sobriety are very flowy. Everything flows nice, like it, it all makes sense. But then when he does ingest something on screen- Either yep. the period of him ingesting the thing is obviously completely fucked, or the period after it on the come down is still like it's it's jarring. It's still like it doesn't quite have a distinct rhythm to it as most mm. uh good edited scenes should. So <laughs> yeah, I I would love to know what Shoemaker's take on that is. Like whether she felt she was committing like cardinal sin by completely fucking up and chopping the flow of some of the scenes um or whether it was a a rewarding thing perhaps to to not have to go by the book of editing and have to go you know through the flow um i don't know but yeah it's still i think it's a bit of a cop out but mm, mm. yeah uh um it is an intent and i guess i have to respect a director's intent so fuck it there's a lot of stuff when he's he's preaching gospel and he's doing his his whole church sermon thing to the uh-huh. to the to the floor, uh, which was real, by the way. He he did speeches every morning to mm. the floor of um, uh, Oakmont, Stratton Oakmont. There's there's moments within those scenes where like people's um uh like sounds like they're cheering and stuff would be like cut off weirdly or like it would fade too quickly than what would oh, make sense of like okay. there being a big group of people like it would just go like everyone's like yeah yeah and then when he starts speaking again it just like drops like it's someone just put the fucking the the, the fade thing and they made it like point five seconds. Where in reality, like it would slowly taper off to like a bit of a, a bit of a humdrum hum, it mm. it just it slopes off completely. Um, which yeah, there's there's goofy things like that, which like it's still 
ugh, it has this this ick factor of like, oh, what? Wait, we fucked that. We we did wrong with the. Oh no no no! I intended to do that. That was something that no, that was fuck it. Obviously, guys, um, Jordan <laughs> Belfort's a fucking drug addict. We're trying to make it so that you get what he's getting. You guys are such okay. dickheads. You just don't artistically understand. <laughs> it does sort of sound on. Like consistent with the the little editing goofs that I was talking yeah. about, like yeah. right at the start of the episode. Okay, mm. yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe that does all. Yeah, okay, mm. interesting. I had a couple more, but I don't think I wrote them down. Or um, mm, mm. Yeah, that's fair enough. Jonah Hill is kicking motherfucking <laughs> goals in this role. the 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 character of Dottie was built specifically for Jonah Hill, and no one can fucking tell me otherwise. That man is goddamn iconic. He is. Like, in some ways, he's, like, a more horrible person than Jordan, but then in other ways, he's, like, this fucking stupid, like, comedy relief character. Oh, like, it's very- just, like, it's just fucking- dim like it's yeah. it's, it's very lights are on but no one's home but he gets hung up on all this like very weird shit and yeah. but like i know people like that i know people who like they talk themselves around in circles because they're like oh what the fuck dude you think that i would what the fuck that's so weird of you to think that i what the fuck is wrong with you bro like that kind of energy <laughs> i know people like that that exist are you talking so- about me douglas is this no, me no no no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Not you, Jonathan. It's, never, it's absolutely Jonathan. It would never be you, Jonathan. <laughs> it would never, um, never. And especially the scene that he has with another fantastic member of the cast, fucking Bernthal. Uh, is it John Bernthal? I think it's John Bernthal. I think. I mean, yeah, John Bernthal. Ah! I love that man. He's the best. He plays the, the Punisher, or he played the Punisher. Oh, in, right. In the Netflix adaptation of The Punisher. Fucking that man was also made to play The Punisher. He is fantastic in that role. Um, and he does a bunch of other, like, just very side character, cameo-y bits. He's the guy mm. that dies immediately in Baby Driver. It's like, yep. he's in the first gig, and then he slings a thing over his shoulder, and he's like, if you never see me again, it's because I'm dead. And then you never see him again for the rest <laughs> of the film. Um, he just, he appears in roles like that, and it is, he's fucking pitch perfect in this role as well mm. like disgusting slimy motherfucker but like mm. would also i would never like approach him ever because he would probably kick my teeth in like that kind of energy he radiates in all of the roles that he plays which is great i love him he gives me like oh no i guess he isn't he gives me yeah okay i don't know. i think it's just because he's like a tough looking dude he gives me the energy of like a like a ex ex wrestling yeah, actor. yeah. Uh, I I only learned that Dave Bautista is an ex wrestler. Yeah, uh, Jonathan. Look, fuck you. <laughs> okay, we don't get we don't get wrestling in Australia. Fuck you. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, we're not quite as big on it. Mm. No, no. But, oh yeah, this is the does he is he the lead role in the accountant? No, it's Ben Affleck. Yeah, it's Ben. Um, because he's in The Walking Dead as well, and he's quite good Correct. in that. He, yes, he plays. He plays very like good a role in Walking Dead. Very good, like antagonistic character in the Walking Dead. Spoilers, super, uh, super spo- good. Spoiler, like, you're already in, you're already in spoilers. Spoiler, uh, fucking, the Walking Dead is like a fucking. I was like season. It's like the end of season two, show. though. Yeah, but so. even so, fucking, it's it's an old show. I'm I'm glad I stopped watching that show. Yeah, too, me too. I like. I too depressing. <laughs> yeah, I watched like up to like season three, and then it just it, it got to like that One Piece territory of like I could feel <laughs> that like they wanted to keep going with it, and then I just I was like I can't fucking keep. I don't have the energy and the willpower <laughs> to keep up with this. So fuck it. And then I think uh yeah, John ends up not being a part of it anymore or whatever, and I yeah I just lose interest. Oh, he goes um, he goes. Early. Douglas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the including John Berthold's character, kind of cu- tying back to Wolf of Wall Street, if you will. The uh-huh. it happens, I think, occasionally within some of the scenes, but there's a story within a story as far as the screenplay goes, and I love it when screenplay writers do that shit. It's Jordan sitting down with everyone at the fucking the diner, and they're they're having a conversation about something, and then the entire scene. John Berthold's character is trying to get some fucking ketchup, ketchup. and he's like, ketchup please, and he's like, he's always like, he's he's not focused on the conversation at hand (laughs) at all, he's just, his entire motivation for that scene is get me some fucking ketchup right goddamn now or I'm gonna fucking hit someone, (laughs) like, it's so good, and when he does the, the fucking iconic, like, 
write me down your name. And he's like, I can't. I don't have a pen. Boom, supply and demand. That shit, <laughs> iconic, because he's not interested in the conversation at fucking all. He just And it's like, one of the best pen-selling oh, responses in the entire film. <laughs> so good. So, so good. Um, creating urgency. Very clever. <laughs> There's- Yeah, yeah. Uh, that- That- Because I complained about, like, silly improv stuff before. I didn't really talk about it. The yes. one that really- I think there's a couple of scenes like that where they felt like improv comedy bits. And the one that I really remember is when he's talking with his uncle. I think it's his uncle, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly the scene. That and they're talking, talking about, about like I the know, expensive it's da- hookers. It's his dad. Sorry, not his uncle. It is his dad. Yeah. Like they're talking about like the expensive hookers and like, oh, what type of- yeah. And, yeah. and they're like, the joke has already been where he's like, what hookers take credit card? Credit card, and, like, yeah. The expensive, expensive ones. ones. Yeah. And I'm like, great. Hilarious. And then they, like, Good cut bit. back and they're like, let's talk about the hookers some more. I'm like, no, this fucking bit it's has already Scorsese been- Scorsese letting the camera run and then he found that obviously very, very funny. So he got Shoemaker <laughs> to fucking weasel it in. It definitely, yeah. I laughed at- I laughed at that scene. I thought- No. It was <laughs> I, I, I thought, was like- <laughs> I, I like them. Okay. But the- pretty much, I think- I don't know the exact percentage of it, but a lot of the film is improvised, allegedly. Okay, um, yeah. There's There was a very loose weave script and dialogue given for, like, the outline, obviously, because you have to follow Jordan Belfort's, like, life and everything. But a lot of free reign was given to the actors to just, like, fucking whatever comes up on the spot, make it happen. Mm. Which works sometimes, like, the scenes where they're sort of playing out them being, like, really stoned. I guess that works. Mm. Mm. But that in particular, like, I was- I, I noticed- I noticed it before and I'd be like, it's fine. Like, it's here and there. It's okay. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, it's really- this is- that one in particular, I just hated that the scene. Pit, and then it- the every time I noticed the, improv after that. Yeah, just, yeah, you kind of- it gave you the ick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the delayed fuse quaaludes, uh, that was all definitely improv. There's no yeah. way that they were- uh, that there was a, a through line, like a planned set of what was going to happen in that scene. Mm. But that makes it fucking hilarious. Jonah Hill, when he realizes that <laughs> he knows about the fact that, that he basically got Brad in jail. And he's like, yeah! <laughs> it's just like crawling away. <laughs> fucking amazing. I love, but like, <laughs> it's simultaneously watching that scene. The first time I watched it, I was like, this is so fucking funny. I was like laughing my guts out. But this time watching it, I was like, this is very funny, but also vividly depressing because mm. there's the there's this constant dichotomy that Scorsese forces you to be in of the circus versus the reality, the circus of the uh the the girl shaving her head, like when all that shit is going down and there's the strippers and the parade running around everywhere and the cut back to the shaving head girl and then she's you know she's there with the money and like fuck like that actually happened. Talking about uh one of the girls that like worked at the place and then how she married one of the guys and then he was like, It's so weird because she mm. blew basically everyone in the office. And then he's like, Oh yeah, and then the guy killed himself like three years later. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, it's there's there's that yeah. whole it's it's constantly polarizing you between like this insane surreal life that Jordan leads and the that he encourages with the fucking stark reality and the consequences of uh, a lot of his actions and just reality itself the reality that he doesn't want to deal with so he mm. smothers it with money and drugs and women and everything else in between throwing lobsters at people yeah you <laughs> fucking dickbags <laughs> yeah it's a lot I, I i shit. i've unfortunately i feel like i've let that my that scene was so cringeworthy for me watching them fucking try and like chess each other the agent and Jordan. I, I actually didn't i actually didn't mind that because jordan no, it's, no, no, it's no, like good cringe good cringe oh yeah, yeah yeah well it's basically just jordan making a fucking idiot of himself uh, and it's yeah like the- absolute asshole like the i again i'm trying to from a director's standpoint i'm trying to think of what martin was telling the actors as like their motivation for the scene because so much of it is improvised you have to give them an intention and a motivation going into it. So I was trying to think of some of the more outlandish things that Martin might have given to the actors. And in that scene, I feel like the motivation for Agent Denham was you're talking to a child and you're yeah. you're listening to like their insane rabblings because he's constantly going like, oh, yeah, sure, Jordan. Like, what's up, buddy? Like, yeah, what, what what's <laughs> happening? Tell Tell me more. Like, what's that? Whoa, cra- no way. Like, it's it's really that. 
uh, just ever so passively condescending tonality that like ah uh. oh, it's sublime and then and then you've got Leonardo handing him the fucking like I'm so in control of this me 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 I have money and I'm going to try and bribe you <laughs> um yeah it's great I'll, that scene is superb I forgot about John Favreau John Favreau popping up for like all of like probably five ish minutes of screen time yeah there's what else? There's other other cameos. There's Tim uh, Thomas Middleditch is in there. Thomas Middleditch, Joanna uh, Lumley. Uh, what's his name? Bashemi is on one of the TV shows. Yes, he's in. Yeah, yeah, he's in one of the uh, the films. Uh, Joanna Lumley. Oh, it's um, fuck. What's the fi- uh, Equalizer? He's in the Equalizer. Is the one that Bashemi is in. Um, yeah, and Joanna Lumley is. Uh, Ab Fab. Did you ever see uh, Ab Fab uh, at all? A little bit, yeah. Mm, mm. She's one of the, the lead characters in um, Ab Fab, which is why when, as soon as she came out and did the like, hello, darling, like that kind of energy, I was like, oh, oh, where, my God. where do I know you? Where do I know you? How do I know you? <laughs> I, I, uh, that hurt me. There's like, is she hitting on me? I'm like, don't have sex with your aunt, <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> Fucking oh, hell. Oh, God, I swear to Christ. Um, and also, Jonathan, this is gonna kick, blow your fucking socks off, kick you in the dick, make you shit your pants. Mm-hmm, I'm ready. Do you want to know who plays Max Belfort, Jordan's dad? Who? Rob Reiner. No, Rob Reiner. And do you know who? What Rob Reiner directed? What did Rob Reiner direct? Princess Bride, motherfucker! Oh my, oh my god! And Stand by Me, and this is Spinal Tap, and uh, what other acting stuff has he done? He was in This Mr. Is Spinal Tap. Um, Fuck, he's got a lot of acting. He's got 82 yeah, acting credits. Yeah. He's great. He's he's also a big highlight in this film for me. Whenever he like storms into a room, going "fucking he fuck Jordan," <laughs> <laughs> fuck whatever the phone rings and it. Oh, hello, Gene. <laughs> right here <laughs> then. That is Very such a good. weird. That is fuck! such a weird little thing to like. <laughs> to just like slide in there. That was that was pretty hard. What did I miss? <laughs> But like it's it's just kooky enough that it works for me because and because it's Rob Reiner doing the delivery it it just it just sneaks past for me it gets the it gets the big old tick mm. the 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 fall that Leo does into the pool when he uh, it's like a uh, a cutaway from uh, Margot Robbie talking about uh, Naomi talking about how he came out of the helicopter late at night and then set the alarm off and then there's the mm. cut back of him like stumbling towards the house and he like the way that leo does that and he like fucking he like st- he steps his ankle like he s- puts his like ankle bone on the ground and then fucking like falls into the pool it's a 10 out of 10 physical comedy well done leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio. you did your fucking buster keaton charlie chaplin level of homework on that one because mm-hmm. his, his whole body goes all floppy it's great he he nails it it's a very good trip the soundtrack fucking there's a there's a great level of uh diversity within a lot of the music that's in mm. uh this film which was really cool there's there's a lot of chicago blues a lot of like slide guitar chicago blues which i love i'm a i'm a big fan of the old slide guitar wee, 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 wee. a lot of great jazz like um Ceci bon fucking earth a kit mm, what bellissimo i love it um and then you get shit like fucking foo fighters in there you get you get that little uh, Spice of Cypress Hill insane in the brain. Um, what else do you get? You get Double Dutch. You get Moving Out. Fuck, I forgot how much I love that song. Billy Joel. What a mm. track. It's great. Anyway. Um, did you have any commentary on the soundtrack? <laughs> no. <laughs> What's with these homies dissing my girl? <clears throat> did you have any on commentary the on the soundtrack? Yeah. Uh, no, I thought it was nice, Douglas. Okay, great. <laughs> Sorry, with yeah, the fringe on top. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. That's, nothing that's deep fun. for you. Sorry. Right. <laughs> uh, it is. It is pretty far back in the mix. To mm. be honest, like it's. It's definitely one of those things where, like, you catch like a glimpse of a chorus or something like that, and you're like, oh, okay, there is music playing. Um, but it's never like right at the forefront yeah. of the, your viewing experience, I guess. And because I have watched it so many times, I think I. Yeah, I was able to key into it a bit more this time. Mm. One of the most beautiful things about this film, I think, uh, is Martin Scorsese giving us the gift that is and will continue to be Margot Robbie. I am so fucking thankful that Margot Robbie got her moment in this and she wasn't just kind of 
Well, she is a little bit pigeonholed, I guess, in some aspects, but I feel like she's kind of trying to break it a bit at the moment um, of being, uh, yeah, just like pretty lady. Yeah. I feel like she's really kind of starting to break out and do a bit of her, like, her own stuff, which is great, a la, like, Sandra Bullock. I know Sandra Bullock was doing a lot of, like, her own kind of, like, just dipping into all kinds of kooky shit for a while. Yeah, so I'm really excited for to to see what Margot Robbie continues to do, and I'm just so glad that if, if Wolf of Wall Street didn't exist, I'm sure that Margot Robbie would have found her way there somehow, but I'm glad that it happened at this time and we have the films that do have Margot Robbie in them now, like... She is great as Harley Quinn. Like, she is a mm. fucking superb live-action adaptation of Harley Quinn. She does make a lot of those characters for certain. Really come to life, oh, yeah. Make, uh, make a lot of those films, rather. But mm. Suicide, Suicide Squad I still haven't seen. I, the, the OG I sh- Suicide Squad. Yeah. The I tragic, should, really I should watch yucky, it just to know yucky male how much gaze of version of Harley Quinn. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, love Birds, I love Birds of Prey. We've talked about this before. I love yeah, Birds of Prey. Yeah, I've got to watch love Birds the of Suicide Prey. Squad. Yeah, motherfucker. Good. And I'm also very keen to see her in Barbie. Uh, have you seen? Uh, we've, I, yeah, yeah, you have. You saw, you saw Ryan Gosling's. I've seen stills of it. Yeah, tease. Yeah, yeah. yeah as um, as Ken. Uh, at time of recording, we've had some some teasers for the upcoming Barbie film, directed by the lovely Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig, I believe it's Greta. It's definitely Greta, but I forget the last name. Greta. I don't know. I haven't it's been, a Ladybird. No, oh. the same lady who directed Ladybird. It is Greta Gerwig. Very good. Um, and there's been some stills and stuff of Margot Robbie in that, but there's a lot of talk that it's going to be like a Truman Show esque kind of a film, like psychologically trippy kind of energy. Okay, that, w- that would be sick. And I'm very excited to have that when it's when the cast looks the way that it does. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm very very excited. So. Uh, I know there are all these people getting weird about, not a lot of people, but I've seen people getting weird about Ryan Gosling and they're like, oh, you can't just bloody- He's throw been yassified. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, this is kind of- And the other thing is like, it's it's it feels like what everyone imagines- Ryan Gosling. W- when you think- Dreamy like, boy. He, he's, he's become, yeah, definitely this- this de facto like sexy man he's in with like the chris evans this is in mm. but i think he's and- i think he's the one that people go to when they're like what is like the hottest fucking male actor right now it's just he, he and that i feel like that makes him a ken like he has just the yeah. very stereotypical six-pack big arms uh, uh chiseled like but like angled jawline yeah I'm, know, just, I'm so excited to see ryan gosling express emotion in, in Barbie. It's going to be really- no. Seeing him smile in that photo really fucking <laughs> offset me. Like, it really, like, it curdled something up in my stomach that made everything wrong. And that, I think that if the, if that's the kind of energy that Greta Gerwig wants to bring to Barbie, I'm fucking here for it. Bring it mm. to me. Um, my friendship officially ended with Drive, Jonathan, because um, now I'm a, I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world, motherfucker, so- I can't wait for Ryan Gosling to drive a pink car instead of <laughs> a black one. Uh, yeah. A uh, Brian Cranston-approved uh, <laughs> chopper uh, muscle car. Anyway, Jonathan, would you like some trivia about the Oh, more than anything, Douglas. Because I, like I, haven't, I haven't fucking talked enough, I guess, in this, fil- in this uh, episode of the podcast. So let me talk I should have known. I, this, this is like your- talk, This talk is not more. your Mandy, but it's at that level where- yeah, I, I've watched it enough times now that yeah, like you can I run know with it, for sure. a lot about it. Yeah, mm. so Jordan Belfort coached Leonardo DiCaprio on his behavior, especially instructing him in the various ways he had reached to the quaaludes he abused. He had reacted to the quaaludes he abused, as well as his dope-induced confrontation with Danny Porush. I, I, okay, I didn't realize that he was actually at all involved with the production. Oh, he, but I guess- yeah. Yes. Very involved, I guess. <laughs> not not only is he involved, Jonathan, he's in the fucking film. Oh, fuck. Okay. He plays the character at the very end of the film that introduces Jordan Belfort to the- Oh, no shit. Uh, to the- um, the I should have known because I know what he looks like. The motivational speech thing. Yeah. Far Straight out. line seminar. That's it. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's very... He doesn't look like what I expected him to. I don't know what I expected Jordan Belfort to look like, but it definitely wasn't that. But anyway. Default. He looks like a default man. Default man. Yeah. Like you open up Grand Theft Auto 5. Default finance man. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, I want to role play a stockbroker. And then you hit that and then it's Jordan Belfort. Ever since he got hold of the book back in 2007, DiCaprio has been focused on turning the depraved tale of Jordan Belfort into a film. However, he wasn't just interested in this story's connection to the most recent collapse on Wall Street, he was also attracted to Jordan's honest and uncompromising portrayal of what he actually experienced. Okay. Is- Why does he know that? Anyway. So you're saying that DiCaprio had the rights to the story, not Well, DiCaprio- Uh, he would have brought it to Scorsese because Scorsese and DiCaprio are- best buds until the buddies, end yeah yeah um but yeah mm. yeah interesting interesting mm. jonah hill had an audible lisp when he first put on the fake teeth to play donnie to get rid of this he spent over two hours on the phone calling random businesses and talking with them that's one way to do it i guess <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> ah classic Martin Scorsese needed a pickup of the shot, fasten your seatbelt blinking sign for the airplane scene but didn't want to waste time and money on setting up a gimbal Robert Legado, the effects supervisor, took a reference video of one during a flight uh, of one during a flight with his iPhone to show, Sco- uh, to show Scorsese. Upon seeing the footage, Scorsese said, "Great, let's just use that." Thus, the film became Scorsese's first to incorporate footage taken from a phone. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell! Because I did, I did notice that the a lot of the film uses film, film. Uh, there's like this beautiful fringing on, especially when they spend time in the bank. There's that that was the one that really got me. I think there's lots of I think they're like looking over, there's like a big, you know, vista at the back of it and there's lots of bright colours, so you can maybe see the the difference a bit more. Mm. I wonder how on how on location that was. Like did they actually go to uh Switzerland, right? Yeah, Switzerland. Yeah. Um, actually- I don't think you'd have to. I think I think a lot no, of it not. is especially the shot, the the fucking the shot where it's the the counter shot between the Swiss banker and Leo, yeah. there's that huge fucking gorgeous sunny vista that's behind him out the window. Um, mm. I think that, yeah, that definitely feels pretty green screeny to me um, because it's supposed to be, you know, the idyllic heaven for uh, yeah. for Leo's money, uh, for Jordan's money. Um, I don't know, maybe Leonardo is... <laughs> if, if Leonardo was in some form of fraud or criminal activity, I, if it was released today, I, there would be no surprises from me, honestly. Hot, hot tip, Douglas. Most rich, rich people are squirreling their money away in fucking tax havens. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say holes, probably. Jonathan. Uh, mm. Leonardo DiCaprio says that he and Martin Scorsese were able to push the envelope with their depiction of over-the-top sex and make the movie they wanted to, primarily because the production was financed independently. Scorsese edited some sexual content and nudity to avoid an NC-17 rating at the request of the MPAA. Right. Okay. Hmm. There you go. In an interview with Margot Robbie, she reveals that for the scene where Jordan and Naomi have sex for the first time in her apartment and her dog tries to jump up and bite him, they had trouble (laughs) getting the dog to jump. So they had to put dog food and chicken livers all over Leonardo DiCaprio's feet and between his toes. (laughs) Wiki feet would be gone crazy for that shit. (laughs) Off the- off the fucking shits, yes. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was paid $25 million for his role, which was a quarter of the film's budget, making him the highest paid star of 2013. Oh, the irony, Douglas. So fucking ironic. Fuck me. So bad. It's always so bad. (laughs) Speaking of fuck, the word fuck and its numerous conjugations are said 569 times throughout the film, making this the film with the most uses of the word in a mainstream R-rated non-documentary film until uh, Swearnet, the movie, which came out in 2014, which took the record with 935 recorded uses of the word fuck. Thus, for a brief time, Martin Scorsese had taken back the record that he had held with Goodfellas, which came with 300 uses of the word fuck, and Menace to Society, which came out in 1993, surpassing it with 305 uses of the word fuck. It's such a weird bit of trivia. (laughs) Everyone always wants to talk about it when there's lots of swearing in a movie. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, I wonder how many times they do a a swear. They do a cuss. (laughs) <laughs> During the kissing scene between Leonardo DiCaprio and Joanna Lumley, DiCaprio was so nervous that the scene required a reported 27 takes to get right. <laughs> fucking hell. I'd be pretty nervous too. It's Joanna Lumley. She's fucking- it's ab fab, dude. 
That's a that's, there's a lot smooch of weight. Smooch one there. of your idols, Douglas. Yeah, yeah. Never smooch, never smooch your idols. Never smooch your idols. <laughs> I, I always say it. The real Jordan Belfort supported the film's depiction of excess. His one objection was the film's implication that Stratton Oakmont never did any serious work. Belfort argued that they couldn't have gotten away with their corrupt practices for so long unless they had been delivering on legitimate business most of the time. Sure. Yeah. No worries, Jordan. You got it. Martin Scorsese has confirmed that some of the editing is on on purpose, especially the scenes in which one or more characters are high. Every time Jordan is seen taking drugs, the scenes that follow have continuity issues and often flow peculiarly. 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 That's a word. Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I feel like I have less. Maybe because I was paying less attention, I have less of a gripe with that than maybe you do. <laughs> Whatever, Martin. Yeah, <laughs> fuck it. It's fine. During the search for the right Donny Azoff, Martin Scorsese had requested a meeting with Jonah Hill, but Hill demanded he audition for the part. It was Hill's first audition in six years. Yeah, okay. Um, the more and more I hear about Jonah Hill working on this film, the more and more admiration I have for the fucking guy and how incredibly desperate he was to work with Scorsese. <laughs> When he wanted to work with him, Jonah Hill took a pay cut by being paid the Screen Actors Guild minimum, which is $60,000. I mean, you got to get in on the- because I think a lot of the stuff he's done otherwise has been pretty, you know, pretty mild. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. He's- yeah, he was just like- It's it's literally- it's- the role is made for him. Like, it's fucking- it's- it's- and me, if I were Jonah Hill and I know the pocket that I play as an actor and I hear about that part- I would have done exactly the same thing. I would have fucking just said yes to whatever just so I could play it because I know that that's like, that's fucking something that I'm meant to do, you know? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I can definitely um, empathize with uh, Hill. On a routine visit, Steven Spielberg spent a day on the set watching the shoot of the Steve Madden speech. Martin Scorsese claims that Spielberg essentially co-directed the scene, giving advice to actors and suggesting camera angles. Okay. As long as Martin was okay with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it, evidently he would have been, otherwise it wouldn't have fucking made its way into the film. I feel like there's there's probably very few directors who would not be interested in the advice of Steven Spielberg. Even, yeah, yeah. Even absolutely. the experienced ones. Exactly, yeah. I bet uh, who would uh, Kubrick would tell him to fuck off. Uh, Tchaikovsky, 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 Tchaikovsky would tell him to fuck Tchaikovsky? off. Tchaikovsky? Um, not Tchaikovsky. Tchaikovsky's the nutcracker. Oh, Tchaikovsky. Um, I think it's Tchaikovsky who's the- uh, Andrei Rublev. Um, yeah. That guy. Ingmar Bergman would probably tell Spielberg to fuck off. Anyway, um, this is a tier list of people who would tell Steven Spielberg to fuck <laughs> off if they rocked up on his film set. Uh, Martin Scorsese claimed that the sequence of Jordan attempting to get in his car while extremely impaired on lemons was improvised on the day of filming, and that it was Leonardo DiCaprio's idea to open the car door with his foot. DiCaprio strained his back during the scene and was only able to perform the- I hate- it's written. It's what's written on the ONDB, but it's called a stunt. He was able, only able to perform the stunt once. <laughs> uh, this is one take wonder. Yeah, look, <laughs> that's a stretch of the definition, but sure. Yeah, of uh, of a uh, stunt. Um, all right, and now the the big three trivia bits that fucking everyone loves to roll out about this film. Just so if you mm. didn't hear about it, I'm going to tell you now. Uh, the actors snorted crushed B vitamins for scenes that involved cocaine, and Jonah Hill claimed that he eventually became very sick with bronchitis after so much inhaling and had to be hospitalised. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. That sounds horrible. God. Matthew McConaughey's scenes were shot on the second week of filming. The chest beating and humming performed by him was improvised and actually a warm-up right that he performs before acting. When Leonardo DiCaprio saw it while filming, the brief shot of him looking away uneasily from the camera was actually him looking at Martin Scorsese for approval. DiCaprio <laughs> encouraged them to include it in the scene and later claimed it set the tone for the rest of the film. It, it, it totally does. I, I do like that that was improv. That it's such a weird cocaine rambling, mm. like- <laughs> But it also becomes, like, pretty core to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it comes up at the end, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Mm. Originally, Martin Scorsese offered Margot Robbie to appear wearing a bathrobe during the seduction scene between her and Leonardo DiCaprio. Robbie refused and insisted on doing the scene fully nude, her first in her career. According to Robbie, quote, The whole point of Naomi is that her body is her only form of currency in the world. She has to be naked. She's laying her cards on the table, end quote. 
Robbie said she had three shots of tequila in succession before shooting the scene to relax. After shooting was complete, Robbie initially fibbed to her family and friends about actually doing the nude scene in order to delay any personal repercussions, claiming CGI was used to superimpose her head on a body double. She eventually changed her mind and confessed when the film was released. Poor girl. <laughs> oh, so weird. Yeah, fuck. It's, uh, yeah, I, uh, dips will lead to her to understanding her character well enough to, yeah. uh, and dips will lead to Scorsese as well for actually initially being like, hey, you can wear a bathrobe. You don't have to do this naked. Mm. Um, so yeah, both, both sides of the, the, um, debate. Yeah. You get a, you get a, you get a tick, you get a pass. Well done. I think that's all the trivia I got. Oh, uh, Johnny Hill was wearing a prosthetic penis in the bit where he's um, jerking off. Yeah, um, that was one of the rubberest looking penises I've seen in yep, my life. I was, yep. I did go back and check. But <laughs> but it was not uh, the the fact that he was wearing a prosthetic penis wasn't known to everyone on set. So all of the reactions are genuine. It's <laughs> pretty. Like it's pretty big. <laughs> that's the other it's thing. Pretty, that, yeah, it's kind of thick. That's what. And, and the that's way what it got moves, me. Like, like it's got, like it's that got like looks, a dildo kind of quality. It's to a it. dildo. It's just yeah. a dildo. That's all yeah. it is. Douglas, my bit, my bit of top trivia for this movie is actually mm-hmm. that when Viggo Mortensen kicked the helmet and he screamed, it's actually because he really broke his toe and he kept the, he let the film keep running. <laughs> we. Are you talking about Aragorn in Lord of the Rings? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. No, that was. <laughs> do you remember Viggo Mortensen being in this? And he in this, there's the pile and he of kicks the helmet. The, yeah, there's a pile of like burning orcs, and he kicks the helmet. <laughs> that was in this movie. Yeah, fucking son of a bitch. Oh, uh, John Belfort had some hot takes on uh, cryptocurrency as well, but like I don't. Know. I don't want to he hear him. Like, <laughs> he was like, "It's freaking crazy, bro. Like it's it's not regulated, and like it's." it's I don't. So I do weird. not want to fucking hear them. I'm sorry, sorry Jordan. Yeah. yeah. Who fucking cares? Um, yeah, that's it. That's all it's got? Yep. You really, sometimes you you really, you, you give like a very mild like outro to your trivia. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, fine. That's all the fucking trivia I've got, all right? Yeah. Well, you want I, more? I, Fuck you. I just expended all of my energy saying all those words. I, I just talked for like 15 minutes. So you can say <laughs> some words now, dickhead. Talking about wanting more, uh, we put episodes out of the podcast every week. Tuesday, Australian Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Tuesday midnight, Australian Eastern Standard Time, Tuesday midnight, Tuesday midnight, which comes out oh. to Monday afternoons in Europe and Monday mornings in America. Douglas, where can people go if they want more info on the podcast? If you want a hub for all things 250, you can go to our website, 250.com. Uh, if you want to, <laughs> we also have the Instagram. I'm spruiking the Instagram. The Instagram has, the, the it keeps you up to date with what's going on. And that's uh-huh. probably one of the best places to communicate with us as well. Douglas and I both use Letterboxd, which is a movie tracking and reviewing website that we're great big fans of. Uh, Douglas is making a weird face. My account on Letterboxd is Upa. That is U U U P A H. And Douglas, I I was yawning. Sorry, Jonathan. Like, oh, okay. I'm so fucking a- bored with you talk. No, okay. <laughs> what a weird face. <laughs> um. My account on Letterboxd is Ienzo Knight, I-E-N-Z-O-K-N-I-G-H-T, Ienzo Knight. We do written reviews of all the films that we talk about here on the 250, as well as any other films that we've watched in our spare time, um, on our respective Letterboxd profiles. I watched in my spare time, I managed to slip away the new Doctor Strange film, new at time of recording, uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and it is one of the weirdest MCU films to date, no question. Just so tonally incoherent and doesn't really know what it wants to be but uh, all of the Raimi bits that really come through are fantastic I love you can feel the bits where Raimi really did have full control of what he wanted to bring to the table Mm. um and they're great but there's a lot of other stuff where I'm just like oh I just don't fucking care It's just a weird creature, Sam Raimi. Like, yeah. it's bizarre to me that he did the Spider-Man trilogy, which was really well received, I thought. Maybe not critically. Uh, but I think it's got a bit of a cult fan base now, yeah. It's got a- it had a huge- like, it was big fucking shit when it came oh, out. Oh, it was big money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when this fucking went- Spider-Man. Like, yeah, Spider-Man's and this was, always been big money. This was before- I think it was pre-MCU, right? The- Sam oh, Raimi's yeah. Yeah, trilogy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. like pre Iron Man, it was it was big news, and that was something like I remember being as a kid, like that's something you're really fucking excited about. It was quite cool and yeah. superheroes and then, in the Hollywood uh, industry. Yeah, 
Yeah, and then he didn't really do much else until this. The first like, Iron Man film was 2008, and then Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man film was 2002. Yeah, so it's bizarre. It's just really weird. Yeah. I, 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 I don't want to comment on whether he's, like, good or not. I, I enjoyed Spider-Man. It's, like, pretty goofy, and I think it is definitely, like, charming, perhaps, mm. uh, is, is sort of what we get out of that these days more than anything. But You gave Spider-Man again, three, three and a half stars. Look. <laughs> It's been a while. It's and you been gave Spider Man two four stars, and then you gave the first Spider Man four stars. So it would seem. The, I remember the, two being really fun. Two was Be- quite good. Yeah, because uh, it's no who's Doc Ock. It's when he's going through a identity crisis. Um, you got Alfred yeah. Molina as Doc Ock. He's excellent. Iconic. Love that man. He he makes that film. Mm, mm. I, do I like think I think it's sort of like Spider Man two is sort of like how. Um, the Dark Knight is sort of better than Batman Begins, you know? Yeah. It feels yeah. it feels more structured and the, the characters have been established and But the Dark Knight would be like nothing it. without its Batman Begins. And in a similar way, Spider Man two would be nothing without Spider Man one. Mm. <laughs> I watched The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight I, Rises before it, Batman Begins, and then I went back to Batman Begins. And I'm like, this oh, feels like Spider Man. <laughs> Psycho. <laughs> this feels like this. This feels like Sam Raimi's Spider Man. Like this. Yeah. It's, no, I think that one is like not as good. <laughs> oh, anyway, I thank you. No, I'm. I'm. That's it. You don't get to. You can't. I didn't watch any films, so that's good. Great. Cool. Yep. You. Okay. Your, well, fine. your talking time is over. Are you Douglas? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm just sleepy, right. man. Just sleep. That's all. I yeah, I worked out. I worked out. I went to. I I worked today. <laughs> you worked I hard. worked out of home in a place, and then I I didn't work out. I worked out, out. of home and yeah. went out to work, and now I am home. Lots of people do that, actually, Douglas. What the fuck? Yeah, work out of home. Holy yeah. shit! I thought they were all just going to get groceries or something. I thought yeah, I didn't realize yeah, they were yeah. all working. There's what are so they doing? All these people getting groceries. It's crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. I thought everyone all like always needed groceries. I thought it was fucking weird. Anyway, all right. Well, this is really bad because we just made fun of like the terrible improv in this movie. And, <laughs> I don't know, this is this is awful. Stay tuned for more terrible improv next week. It's Lockstock, motherfuckers! It's the, oh, prelude shit. To, it's the prelude to Snatch, you bitch! If you don't like this movie, then I'm gonna kick you in the goddamn nuts. Next week's gonna be a really good one. It's yeah. So stay stay tuned for next week. Oh, I I this is good. This is I I this is good. I'm excited. Okay, be good. Fucking amped. Let's go. This movie is horrible. Uh, it's fun. It's fun, but it's horrible. Yeah. Good night. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I nearly clicked. Disconnect on Discord. I did the same thing. <laughs> I was hovering over disconnect. I was like, wait a second. <laughs>